Most gracious Heavenly Father, in this world of uncertainty and constant change, thank you that we can stand on you with confidence that you are unchanging and that your word is unchanging. And so now, Father, as we open your word in these next few moments, we pray that you would use it to speak into our hearts and into our minds to transform our thinking and our living to bring glory to your son, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. We continue a series today called Making a Difference. And the goal of this series has been to answer this question. How can I make a difference with my life? Not just that I would be able to, to acquire more stuff and get more people to serve me, but how can I take the resources that God has poured into my life and time and, and talent and treasure, and how can I use that to be a blessing to other people? Because here's the problem we face today, is that we live in a culture that is me-centric, that's selfish, that says that there's a gravitational pull in our hearts to want to just turn in on ourselves. But I believe that God is calling us today to a realignment. A realignment. He's, he's calling us as his people to be realigned back to become children of the cross. He's calling us in this vertical relationship with him to experience his love and his grace and his forgiveness. And then as it pours down into our lives, as it wells up within us, we get to the horizontal part of the cross where we begin to pour it out into our families and our friends and our communities and around the world. And so he's calling us to realign back into his plan for our lives. Today he wants us to to look at his generosity that he's given so much to us and to, to, to just take a step back and to realize what he's given us. A couple of years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine and he had two young sons and it was a Saturday and he said, I wanted to take my boys up to McDonald's to get some Happy Meals and, and get out of the house for lunch to give mom a little break, you know. And so I loaded up the boys. We went down there. We ordered some, some Happy Meals. We sat down. And he goes, I just got a Coke. And so I'm watching them eat. And he goes, but man, those fries. Whoo, the smell. They look so good. They're crispy. And he goes, I just reached across the table like this to grab one of my kids' fries. And my son, he said, like, he goes, oh. And he grabbed my hand. He said, Dad, don't touch my fries. <laughs> and the, the dad was stunned. He, he thought in his mind for a moment. He's like, wait a second here. He goes, does this guy realize, like, just a couple of minutes ago, we were at the counter, and I pulled out my wallet, and I paid for your fries? And then, and so, you know what? I don't need your fries. I could go back to the counter and order like a biggie, whatever size of my own, or I could order like 12 orders of fries and I could bury you in fries. <laughs> he said, man, what I saw in that moment was my son needed to understand this concept right here, that he needed to be willing to share what I, as his father, had previously already given to him. See, today God is calling us to, to take a look outside of ourselves and take a step back and to realize that, that we are just managers and stewards of all that he's put into our laps. One of the most famous passages of all the scriptures in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But if you were to jump over one more to Psalm 24, verse 1, it's a verse that, that is, it may be one you want to memorize and, and focus on this week. It says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. He's saying, hey, this is all mine. I'm letting you, you manage it, and I need your help. But 
what is the most insensitive and, and, and ingrateful and, and, and selfish thing we can do is to take his resources and just put a fence around us and say, I'm just going to keep this one right here. Yeah, we got such a great and a generous God. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven from our Father. He's a generous, generous God. As I was preparing for the message, I, I kind of did a word study, and I went back, I want to see like some common words of our faith and how many times they were used in Scripture. And the first one I looked up was believe, like, you know, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And throughout Scripture, 272 verses have that, or believe, or something like that. The next one was this, prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, you know, all throughout Scripture, 371. And then the next one I looked up was love. You know, like, God is love, love one another. Man, 714 verses. But then I looked up giving, giver, and generosity. And look at this, 2,162 verses. God is a generous God. He's a giving God. And he's calling us into that as well today. He says, I want my people to be a giving people. Last week, Pastor John, we looked at his, his time. And this message was about the time God gives us on this earth to number our days to, to carry out what God has called us to do. And today we're going to look in the next few moments at talent, his talent and his gifts that he's poured out on us. And so let me ask you this today. Are you growing in your gift? In your gifts, are you growing? I'm amazed as I think about this congregation and I think through faces and people here at the diversity that God has poured out into this church. Man, we got some people, we got some fantastic musicians up here that lead us in worship. And man, we are so blessed. But, but it's more than that. If you think about it, that God has sent us some, some business leaders who, who you're so talented. On, and we put you on the board of directors here to help us with contracts and how to navigate money and how to spend it correctly. We have other people who are gifted in teaching where you can go into a room with like, fourth graders and you can keep them engaged where like some other guy would be like don't put me in there man like it's gonna be a disaster over there you know we got people who are frontline people like our greeters and our ushers and man your personality is just to make people feel welcome and others like oh and like they're behind the scene people but we need these people like hospitality people who when someone passes away we, we rally troops to bring food and we go to visit and it's the body of Christ in our diversity coming together with gifts to serve the church. Listen to what 1 Peter 4 says. You heard it read, but let's look at it just a little deeper. It says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And now listen to this part right here. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so God's given out different gifts, but we're all working together for the kingdom. And listen, like if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so in their own power. No, it says, what? With the strength that God provides, he's working in us to, to use our gifts for his, so that in all things, God might be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Sometimes the word 
gifts and talents can, we can get problematic because we, we look at somebody and we see someone flowing in their gift and it looks so easy, you know, it's like, uh, and they just, we get jealous and like, man, I wish I had their gift and I don't want to do, I want that. And like, we forget sometimes that, that, that in this gift, there was also a grind. There was, you know, a lot, we live in this culture where a lot of people want the product without the payment. And they want the, the blessing without the, the work and the burden that went into to, to getting there. And so that's where we're going to look today. Are you growing your gift? We get mesmerized, but God says, I want you to, to grow your gift and not be looking out and, and playing the comparison game all the time. And the first thing we can do to, to grow our gifts is this, develop your deposit. Listen to what the Apostle Paul teaches Timothy in 2 Timothy. He says this, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Guard the deposit. God has put a deposit in you of certain gifts and talents that only you have. You know, sometimes I think these gifts that we get should come with like an instruction manual, some assembly required, because we don't just walk in, you know, like, like at the top of it, we have to develop it. You know, like today you can go down here to Walmart and if you want to buy a bike for your kid, you can get like a brand new shiny bike. It's all put together, loaded up. Back in the day, we, we were struggling and my parents, and like they would go to the hardware store and get the, a box and like we dump it out in the living room and like, oh, it looks like a bike. Like, okay, here's some chains over here and a handlebar. We got to put this thing together. We got to put it together. Sometimes God is putting his, the pieces and the, the parts in our lives, and he says, like, you need to develop your gift. It's called the principle of diligence. If you're going to flow this year, you're going to have to grow this year. If you're going to go somewhere and do something effective for the kingdom of God, you're going to have to, what I call, work your field. There was a, a pastor up in Indiana serving at a small congregation there, and he was out there in a rural zone, and he wanted, like, to get his own piece of land, you know? So he found this 20 acres out. He like, man, this is awesome. This is my, I'm going to buy this thing. It's going to be my slice of heaven. It was, man, there was grass growing up everywhere. The fences were falling down. The glass was broken. But every Saturday, this guy would get on his day off, and he'd go out there. And, man, he worked it for years. He's cleaning it up. About three or four years later, man, it's looking pristine. And one day, um, his neighbor guy comes driving by. We'll call this guy Farmer Brown. Okay, Farmer Brown, he's like, eh, he pulls out, he gets out, he goes, wow, Reverend, this is amazing. Like, what you and God have done here is unbelievable. And the Reverend said, hey, man, with all due respect, you should have seen the place when God had it all to himself. <laughs> Work your field. Develop the deposit in the Old Testament, King David, he was nearing the end of his life. And he wanted to build the temple for his people. But God said, no, I'm going to leave that to your son Solomon to complete. But, so David wanted to help him get the structure set up in leadership. So he went and he looked at all the, the craftsmen that were available, like the woodcutters and the stonecutters and the jewelers and the, the musicians. And he's taking inventory. And you can go back in the Old Testament and see how many instrumentals they had and musicians but I want you to look at this one verse from 1 Chronicles 25, and this is around in that part of the Bible. It says this, along with their relatives, all of them trained and skilled in music for the Lord. They numbered 288. 
So what jumped out on me on this verse is that phrase I underlined there, trained and skilled. You see, the, they were developing their deposit. They, like, they didn't just pick up a shofar ram's horn and start, you know, blowing it, and it was, like, so beautiful, you know? They had to, they probably were hitting sour notes, and they were figuring it out, and, like, over time, they were developing it. And so they were trained, and they were passing on and raising up the next generation in the, the temple who would, who would come behind and be skilled at worship leaders. And why is this important? It's because I believe this, that God likes good stuff. God likes good stuff. Are you growing in your gifts? Have you read any books this year that would sharpen your skills in your area? Maybe you're, have you listened to a podcast that would challenge you? Maybe you can ask somebody to go to lunch and you can say, hey man, you're farther down the road in your ideas and your thinking than I am and I want to learn how you think. And so like, would you spend some time with me? Would you mentor me? Like I want to learn. I want to develop the deposit. The next thing is that we need to commit to excellence. Commit to excellence. See, when, when David was a much younger man in his life, we, we know that he started off, he was a musician. He played the harp, but he was also a warrior. He, he could sling some stones around. Okay? And so back in that time when he was young, King Saul was on the throne. And Saul, the Bible says, at times would get distressed and he would get depressed and down and he wanted someone to come and play some music to soothe his heart and so they weren't going to just like get some old guy like anybody he called his leaders in and he said hey i want you to go hang the flyers on the telephone poles i want you to get out there and go go see who you can find for me and listen to what the bible says in first samuel 16 so saul said to his attendants find someone who plays well and bring him to me one of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre, which is a harp. He is a brave man and a warrior, and he speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Wow. David, it says that he played well. You know, he wouldn't get a presence inside the king to go and be with him if he was just slopping around. Imagine like he was out in the field guarding sheep, and he probably had his harp with him, and he was trying to figure out, you know, stairway to heaven. Like, and he was missing notes, and he was, like, like trying to just experiment with, with stuff. And, and, and then, like, he would set his harp down, and a lion's coming, so he's slingshotting it over there, and he's killing that. And so he's got these different gifts, but he, he sat out there, and he perfected his craft. He got a reputation that, man, this guy is gifted. He's committed to excellence. Why? Because God likes good stuff. When I was in my early career of leading music, I started off up in Luther, Oklahoma. It's up near Oklahoma City, and I was out at this little church. You know, I was like, love these people. But they were kind of like agriculture. And I, I walk in, and this guy goes, hey. I said, do you have any advice for me? He goes, just love the Lord and lead us in some songs. And I'm like, okay, that's a good start. But you know what? I think there's more to it. I think that God wants me to practice the piano. He wants me to, to continue to develop, to bring excellence to this thing. Listen to what Martin Luther says about craftsmanship. He says this, The shoemaker does his Christian duty not because he puts a cross on the shoes, but in making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. Here's a vision for someone in here who has a business or you're a leader or you're a teacher or you're a grandparent. How about your life? You're so committed to excellence that you don't have to, to put a fish on the side of your van 
or a, a, a cross on your business card, that your people, your, your clients, the world knows that by your character that you're committed to excellence. See, if, you, if you're a mechanic and you fix cars, like, why don't you do that on time and ethically and, and for a good price? If you're an accountant, why don't you, you in, do that with integrity? And serve the Lord where people, they look at your life. And so today, as we talk about being committed to excellence, I'm not talking about perfectionism. You know, there's a lot of people in here, me, we struggle with this idea of like, oh, I got to be perfect. And, and, and if I'm not, I'm like, is God going to accept me? And then if I hit a wrong note over here, are my friends, what are they going to say? And like, oh, just like, oh, and I'm just under this weight of constant perfectionism. Here's the truth today. There's only been one perfect person, Jesus Christ, our Savior. He knew that we were going to mess it up, that we weren't perfect, and so he laid down his perfect life on the cross for our imperfections. And so now we can be forgiven of our sins in the, the past, of the, the ones we're going to do today and, and in the future. And we can live like this. We can live with the hope that when the song track of my life goes into a minor key, when it goes flat, when it goes, it used to be I was singing lyrics of blessings that now I'm cursing people and I'm gossiping about people and I don't get it right and I'm not perfect, that the Holy Spirit comes in and he says, I'm going to rewrite the symphony of your life. I'm rewriting it in the tune. You get it? He is the perfect one and he knows that we're going to mess up, but we don't have to, to live defeated. He says, I want to come. And I want to bring you forgiveness so that you can live in response to my generosity. And you can be a generous people. Next time that you go in the morning and you're driving somewhere and you see that sunset, those colors. I mean, the sunrise or in the evening, the sunset and the windswept skies and the colors. Imagine the creativity, the craftsmanship of your God. The psalmist says, oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. This excellent God, this craftsman, he created you, and he lives inside of you, and he wants to do excellence through your life. The last thing, if you want to grow in your gifts, how about this? Celebrate your uniqueness. Listen to David's words in Psalm 139. He says, I praise you, Lord, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Fearfully and wonderfully made, that's what you are and what I am. David had a convergence of some unique gifts that you wouldn't think like one of these things is not like the other. Like, you know that song? Like here he is, he's a, a harp player, but he's a, a warrior. God had prepared him for the task when he needed whatever in his life. Imagine though he went out to Goliath out there in the valley. He's going to square off with Goliath and he, he, he pulls out a harp and he goes, Goliath, I'm going to sing you a ballad real quick and you're going to die. No, it, it was a time when he needed to be a warrior. And God had given him gifts that maybe didn't make sense. And so maybe in your life, you're looking at, like, I don't know, why am I good at this and, and this and how is all this together? Nobody's like this. And so I, over here, I, I feel insecure in this, but I'm leaning into God over here. And, and like my, I grew up in a weird family and I have this training over here. And, and, and I don't know like how God's going to use all this and experiences in my life, but I'm going to trust him. He's made you unique to carry out a a mission and a plan that only you can address. Do you feel weird sometimes? 
I want to tell you about something really weird. A couple of weeks ago, my younger son, Nolan, he's 19, came over to hang out at the house, and he's in my kitchen. And you know how teenagers are? like, Dad, you got any food around here? I'm like, dude, look in the thing. Just get in. So he's pulling out stuff out onto the cabinet, and I'm just talking to him. And as I'm watching, I'm like, what? And like, here's what he came up with. He made a turkey and grape jelly sandwich. And he puts it together, and I'm like, dude, what, what are you doing, dude? That is like a culinary abomination right there. <laughs> he said, Dad, is so good. It sounds weird. Maybe God, you think, God, this, like, I'm, I don't know, how does turkey and this, I got this gift here and this, and it's all going to fit together. But he says, man, I'm taking your life experiences, and I'm taking everything that I poured into you, and I'm going to use you and prepare you for a task. And I love what one theologian says. He says this, that what you are, your gifts and your, your vocation are God's gifts to you. But what you're becoming are your gifts back to God. As we wrap up this message today, I want to call you to action to do a couple of things. Maybe you're here today and you don't know for sure exactly what you're gifted in. We want to help you identify that. And you can stop by the connection counter after church. And we're going to get you hooked up to take the gifts of grace inventory where you can see like, oh, wow. Like, I, I really do like to teach or serve in this work, and we're going to help you so that next year you can make a difference using your gifts. Because here's the truth today, church, the stakes are high. If you don't do anything, is the church going to collapse? No. But the church won't be at its finest and its best. It's, imagine if we all come together in our gifts and we're all clicking together each in our own way and we've got, we've got security people doing their thing and people in the nursery and we've got musicians and we're all coming together. Imagine the children's lives that would be changed. Imagine how much worship we can lead and lead people into the presence of Christ. Imagine the transformation in families and in hearts as we surrender our talents and say, God, I'm not going to bury them. I'm going to give them to you this year. In your order of service, there's a, what's called a make a difference card. And I want you to pull that out for a second. And, and some people go, man, every time I come to church, you're asking for something to give. Uh, this, okay, this card today, I'm going to ask you to, to take just a private moment. This is an intentional moment between you and your heavenly father. We're not asking you to put a name on it. But as you pray about God in the next year, how do you want me to serve you with my time and treasures and talents to help your kingdom here? And as today, as you come up to receive the Lord's Supper, there's some boxes that are going to be up here, and you can just drop that card in, and, it's, and we're not going to mail them anywhere. There's nothing in we, This is like your commitment, just a holy moment between you and God. And I'm going to say, Lord, I want to serve you in these ways. If you need one more week to pray about it, we're going to do it next week again, so you can bring those uh, next week if you would like to do that. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has an encounter with the Lord. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the Lord encountered Isaiah in this moment, and there was cherubim and and seraphim flying around in this room, and it was an incredible holy moment where God encountered Isaiah, and he's basically saying to him, I've prepared and gifted you. You're a prophet. I'm calling you to go. I need someone to go and, and to call my people back into obedience to me, and you're the man to do it. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 6. 
Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. How will you respond this year? When the Lord is calling you and he's tapping you, I pray that you would join your heart and your voice and your mind and with Isaiah's and for the thousands of years that it's been echoing through the generations that it would come into your life right now today. And you would rise up with the willingness to say before your almighty God, here am I. Here am I, Lord. Here am I. Send me.